I'm Donnie. Welcome to Call to Reset. Today is March 11th, 2021. And today's episode is, did Lincoln intentionally want to end we the people? As they say in Australia or Australia, g'day. Or in Japan, they might want to say, yoi ichi icho. Let me try that again. Yoi ichi icho. In other words, have a nice day. Well, last time, in episode one, we found out what the cause of our present distress, what happened to the United States of America, what happened to the country that we learned about when we grew up. And there were specific acts that were taken by the President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. He took over the Congress, he took over the Supreme Court, he took over the states, he took over all the people. And those acts, one in particular, the Conscription Act, it had a lot of um, exceptions. If you had one child, one son, they weren't going to send that one son if you needed them to stay home and take care of you. If you had two sons, you could decide which son was going to go. Also, one of the things that was very problematic was you could send someone in your stead. The draft was for the ages of, believe, between 17 and 45 years of age. So you could send someone perhaps age 50, and uh, or you could send a slave. There had to be someone that was not already required to show up for the draft. And, of course... In the uh, board, they had a uh, provost marshal, you had a physician, and you had another individual, kind of like most corporations, you got a president, a vice president, and a secretary treasurer to take care of each district. The states were broken up into districts, and it sounded like it coincided with the congressional elect, uh, districts, where there's so many people in each district. So it was easier to control, easier to enforce the Conscription Act. Then the other th situation was uh, you could get out of getting drafted if you had $300, which would be equivalent to $3,000 to $30,000 today. So not anyone in particular could afford that unless you were very wealthy. And the people that could afford it, they were called the money men. So in large cities, particularly New York City, you had a group of people coming over from Ireland. They were trying to escape all the gangs over there. And then you had the Underground Railroad bringing people up from the South, trying to free them from slavery down South. They also had a business, some people did anyway. They would bring you up and then they would rat you out and then you would be brought back and they just keep the circle going on and on. It was all about making money. It wasn't necessarily about the individual. So, the money men, the blacks coming into the cities, the Irish coming over from Ireland put incredible strains upon the economy, upon the cities. There was lack of housing. There was hygiene issues. There was typhoid. Uh, Mary running around infecting people with disease, dysentery, dysentery um, many different types of things. People had to vie for existence. They either had to become a prostitute if you were a woman or a pickpocket, 
or join a gang. And the two particular gangs that were most uh, viable were the volunteer fire department, which were initially started just as a social club so they could earn extra money for drinking or something of that nature. So you'd get the biggest, the baddest guy and he would take a box and put it over the fire hydrant and he'd stay there and wait for anybody to show up. And uh, if it was from some other gang, he'd fight them off until his group got there. And sometimes when the, his group got there, both these gangs would fight each other. And sometimes the building would just burn down, but they didn't care. Insurance was going to pay for it anyway. So they would just go over to the next one and somebody would uh, get paid by the insurance company to do that. So it put an enormous amount of pressure and strain upon an already bulging population. And many of the Irish were met at the ships by people that were flashing these papers in front of them. If you will sign this, we will give you freedom, blah, blah, blah. All they wanted to do was come to the land of opportunity and freedom. So there was a, an enormous amount of pressure on everybody. And it finally got to the point where people just snapped. They started lynching people on the street, the money men, the black people. They raided a, a, an orphanage and they threw a child in its bed out of the top window. And the state police and the local police, they were fighting for dominance, you know, each other. And nobody could do anything. The governor was calling to put this down. There was no, there was no basically militia or national guard because guess where they were? They were all in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So this riot broke out, and uh, if you ever saw Gangs of New York, you have an idea of what I'm talking about, but it didn't even get close to how it really happened. I mean, you know, all the depth of it. There was so many dif different factors other than the Irish fighting the the, uh, the Protestants, the natives is what they call them, and uh, you know, they didn't, the natives didn't like the, the Irish Pope or the Catholic Pope. So it was just a, a consequence of this conscription act. So if you're like me, when I grew up, Abraham Lincoln was one of my favorite presidents until, until I found out all these things about what he did. And he did it legally. He did it all from the Constitution. Everything that he did was constitutional. I don't know if he was right about whether or not you could secede from the Union or not, because he did not believe you could. And it's interesting that Gettysburg Address, which I did not learn, and many people did when they were going to school, but I am familiar with a lot of it now, but it was required for a lot of students to learn the Gettysburg Address. And I remember him stating at the very end, the government of the people, by the people, and for the people should not perish from the face of the earth. And he was there immediately following this horrendous war that people were just thrown out line by line. I have gone to, to Gettysburg and the hair on my arm just stood up, just trying to imagine what that was like. People shooting each other and just, just devastation, death and destruction. Well, he was there to honor the people, the honored dead. They gave, he said, the last ounce of devotion. And then when it was finally over, those people that were left standing, that were from New York, had to go back and take back the city of New York at all cost. And many of them were firing upon their friends, their families, their neighbors, in order to put down 
this riot. And it wasn't just in New York City, but it was in most of the major cities. So Lee surrendered. And many surrenders occurred that same year. And for all practical purposes, what we knew as the Civil War was over by the end of that year. And yet Abraham Lincoln was assassinated and that was pretty much it. So did he intentionally try to end we the people? It certainly looks that way. It certainly looks like he was gonna prosecute this war no matter what. And yet when they took Richmond, when the North took Richmond, which was the capital of the Confederacy at the time, Lincoln went through there. He actually went into the home of Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy. He sat at his desk. He looked around. He tried to imagine what it was like being, you know, Jefferson Davis. He talked to people on the street, and they wanted to know how he would handle these people that captured. And he said it twice. He said, I would go easy on them. I would go easy on them. So what I'm getting to now is an opinion based upon that act that Lincoln did, what he quoted, what he said. And also it was reported that Grant asked him what would be his uh, conditions for surrendering the Virginia Army from uh, Robert E. Lee. And I believe he basically said the same thing. I would go easy on him. So what Lee ended up with was the ability for his officers to leave with their firearms, to leave with their horses. Uh, they were given provisions by the North. They wanted them to get home in time for planting so that life would go on, life would continue. So there's that. And many people in Washington, D.C. were very critical of that because they thought it was way too lenient. They didn't trust, they were afraid, they thought the, the South was gonna rise again, particularly after the assassination of uh, their president. And also, the, um, the other thing was way before this whole thing started. Four months between November and March when Lincoln was inaugurated, I believe it was in December, he got a letter from one of the senators. His name was Alexander Stevens. And Alexander Stevens was a, was a Southern senator. And he wrote a letter to the president and he said, if you could give us a letter or a word, and he quoted a verse of scripture from Proverbs chapter 25, 11. And he said, it would be good news from a far country it would be like apples of gold in a picture of silver. And I didn't read, show you my book again, but I'm doing it again. This information that I'm giving you, most of it, is coming from this book. You can check it out at resetbook.com. But what I'm telling you now is basically new. And this is the reason for this sequel to the book called Apple of Gold and a Picture of Silver. And in that letter, Lincoln responded to it, and it was called 
a fragment of the Constitution. Why we were never taught this in school, I have no idea, but we should have been, a lot more so than the Gettysburg Address. That's my opinion. My opinion is that Lincoln would have reset our government back to its, what the Constitution stated, extraordinary occasions when he evoked the constitutional clause and he convened both houses of Congress. I believe that he would have reset the government back to its original ordinary occasions, but it didn't happen. So those are the acts and what follows, what follows everything after that is what I would call actions. What are the actions that came after that? But as far as I'm concerned, Lincoln had every intention of resetting our government, but he was assassinated. So the military, even Sherman, who was criticized, marched to the sea and left a swath so wide, nothing could grow, nothing could be used in the event that these people of the South thought that they could try to start it back up again. And yet, he gave basically the same conditions for surrender as Lee did, I mean, as Grant did to Robert E. Lee. So there was a great intention. They wanted things to go back to their original. And yet, we shall see the next session. That's not what happened. And a lot of actions since then have brought us to where we are today from those acts that Lincoln did between 1860 and 1863. So that's it for today. Um, next time in episode three, the law is silent. So have a great day.